Welcome to the Equipers Church Budapest podcast. We hope today's message will encourage and inspire you. For more information, check equiperschurch.au. Well, uh, for tonight, the title of my message is, um, I'm going to talk about walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, Holy Spirit is actually my best friend. Hopefully he's your best friend. He's our best friend. Amen. The Bible calls him Parakletos, which translated uh, in different translation, it goes as uh, the comforter or the guide or the counselor. Uh, it actually means the best friend, someone who is next to you all the time to help you, to assist, to guide you. And if you're like me, I need him all the time. So he's my best friend, and I'm so lucky to have him with me all the time. I love uh, what Toby said early on today, that this place is saturated by the presence of the Holy Spirit. But you know, he's not just some kind of an energy in the room. He is a person, God in person, living in us, residing in us. Um, last week I talked about authority. Today I want to talk about power. Now there is a slight difference between using the authority or knowing the authority that God gave us and knowing the power that God gave us. Authority is actually the permission to use the power. All right? So authority is the permission to use the power to operate in the power of God. And, uh, you know, there is, there is a number of scriptures that we'll go through today. Uh, sorry, guys, <laughs> the presentation is going to be a lot of scriptures today. Uh, but right in the beginning um, of the book of Acts, there is an important scripture in, in uh, Acts 1.8 uh, that we all know. It says, you will receive Power. Can we say this together? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria and to uh, the ends of the earth. Now we all know this scripture. It's uh, right in the beginning of the book of Acts. And it started the whole chapter of uh, the early church. Uh, the early church was able to... Uh, complete the mission and the purpose that God gave them because of the power of the Holy Spirit. But preceding that, the, the, there is a moment when Jesus ascended to the heavens. And as he was going to go, this is what he said, and it's in Matthew 28, verse 18. He called the disciples and he said, All authority. See the difference? Just a minute ago, we talked about the power. Here he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And that's when he said, and go make disciples, teach all nations, baptizing them, and so on. So we see that Jesus basically saying, because I have all authority, I'm giving you the power. Because he has the authority, he can give us the power. And that's what I'm, that's, I want to teach about that today, how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
You know, without the Holy Spirit, or should I say without the power of the Holy Spirit, we have all kinds of things, but we are powerless. We may have the ideas, we have good messages, we have conferences and meetings and plans and theories and strategies and money and whatever, and all of those things are needed. But if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, we are actually living a powerless Christianity. You know, we have all been made for a special purpose. God has a special purpose for every individual in this room. Can you help me preach and tell your neighbor, God has a special purpose for you? Come on, tell someone, God has a special purpose for you. There's a scripture in Ephesians that I love in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, which says, for we are God's handiwork. You were handmade. By God, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. So God has a special assignment. You are a masterpiece. Handmade by God. The creator, the same hands that created Adam. They created you. They made you for special purpose. Why? So that you could do the good works that He made you to do. But let me tell you something. Uh, you need the power to do the works. In order to fulfill your destiny, in order to get the job done, you need the power from on high. See, let me take you into the New Testament about the story, uh, to the story of Jesus and explain to you that even Jesus Himself Needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we believe in God. Mystery three in one is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was, you know, God in bodily form walking on this planet. Just with all of the heaven back in him as he was doing the work of the ministry. Still, he needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me take you to a few scriptures Book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 38. This is what uh, Peter says here. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. This is unbelievable. Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit and power. And then he explains how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now, see what this actually explains is that Jesus was doing the works and he was running his, his run, his race. He was completing his mission by the power of the Holy Spirit. He needed the power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit so that he could do the works that the Father assigned to him. And let me tell you, if Jesus needed to be under the anointing of the Holy Spirit in order to do the works that God had for him, then I need it. If I'm supposed to do the good works that he destined for me, I'm going to need the power of the Holy Spirit in my own life. And also corporately, we as a church, if we are going to do the things that God called us to do, if we're going to finish the mission that God gave us in the city, we will need the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. Now, the anointing in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, it was an actual act. 
It was an act of pouring of an oil on somebody's face, running down uh, on his body all the way down. And it was a token of the presence of God being on that person, empowering him to do what God called him to do. And it would be done with the priests, with the prophets, and with the kings. They would be anointed with oil, which actually symbolized the power of God on those people so that they could actually do what God called them to do. They could complete their mission. That's why when Jesus is being described as uh, working his ministry under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it's incredibly important. Now, you may know that the name Christ or in the Hebrew language, the Messiah, actually means the anointed one. He has it in his name. He is Jesus, the anointed one. He literally, that was his ministry name. That, that was his work name. He's the anointed one. Which means that God actually poured the oil of the Holy Spirit on him so that he could do the work that the Father had for him. Now, um, the ministry of Jesus started with this anointing. You would remember the story when he went into the Jordan to be baptized by John. The heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. So the Holy Spirit came on him uh, just before he was going to go into, the, into his ministry. Before that, it was preparation. Now this is the entry point. He's getting into, into the river. He's being baptized. The heavens open and the presence of the Holy Spirit descends on him. And this is not, this is not everything. From there, he goes into the desert. To be tempted by the devil. But hey. He doesn't go there alone. The Bible says. He goes there. Being led by the Holy Spirit. And then. In Luke chapter 4. It actually says that. When he came from there. He was actually. Uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he returned. To Galilee. Full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you see this? Well, so his ministry started by baptism. That's when the Holy Spirit descended on him. Then he goes into the desert led by the Holy Spirit. He is there with the Holy Spirit. And when he leaves the desert, he is full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then his ministry begins. How does it begin? I'm happy you asked. <laughs> it starts in the synagogue in his hometown in Nazareth. So he goes there and he's asked to preach his first sermon. He sits. That was a thing. He opens the scriptures and he reads Isaiah 61. And he says, the spirit of the Lord. We, we have it in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Because from the Jordan, where the Holy Spirit descended on him, into the desert, the devil tries to kill him and destroy him, but the Holy Spirit is in him, on him, everywhere. And then he returns from the test, back to Galilee, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. He opens the scriptures, 
ready to preach his first sermon ever. And this is what he starts with. He's saying the Holy Spirit is on me because he has anointed me. And we'll go back to that later in this message. See, Jesus, from the first moments of his ministry, he does everything through the power of the Holy Spirit. How foolish would it be to think that if Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to do the works, that we wouldn't. We are so depending on the power of the Holy Spirit. If we are going to do the works that God called us to do. Come on. Whether you are in business or in education or in government or uh, you are a student, uh, or whether in your marriage and family, wherever you are, in any context, you need the power of the Holy Spirit so that you could complete the works and the mission that God called you to do. Come on, let's give some praise to Jesus. Now, when Jesus was actually doing the ministry under the power of the Holy Spirit, things started to happen. The blind started to see, uh, the deaf started to hear, the lame started to walk. Those that were oppressed by devils, they were set free. And it stirred a lot of commotion. And there was an argument between the disciples of John and some other Jews about this. Hey, like, come on, who is this guy Jesus? He's baptizing so many people now. And John, this is what he answered in John We read it in John 3, 27, but this is John the baptizer who is saying this. He says, well, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. In other words, he's saying, well, he's he's clearly anointed by the Holy Spirit from heaven. That's why he's doing those things. He has a uh, a clear mark. Of the anointing of the Holy Spirit on his life. That's why he's doing all those things. Now this is the secret. You can only do when you have the anointing from above. You can only do the works of God when you have the anointing from the above. Friends, otherwise it's just a routine and it's just a religion. It's just some kind of a um, religious act. We do things because... Because we were told to do them, right? And we do them out of a habit, out of some kind of a discipline. But it it tends to just turn into a religion. Now, there was a a case with Jesus' ministry where um, a demonized man who was both blind and mute was healed. He had three diagnoses. He was blind, mute, and he was demonized. And Jesus deals with all three of them in one go. The man is set free, he's he's healed, he sees and he hears. And now these guys, they got offended. Like, who who does he think he is? And they actually accused healing, they accused Jesus uh, that, that he actually healed that person through a higher category of demons. It's a foolish thing. And Jesus said, come on, it doesn't make sense. How's divided against each other would not stand. This is what he tells them. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God came to you. In other words, he says, if actually what I'm doing is from the power of the Holy Spirit, 
If, if my works are actually anointed by the Holy Spirit, then let me tell you, this is good news. Because it means that the kingdom of heaven is actually here. Hallelujah. This is exciting. Now, um, I want to tell you, I want to take you a little bit to the Old Testament now. So we'll make a little bit of a detour and then we'll come back to Jesus. Now, there was a, uh, an Old Testament prophet, one of the most well-known Old Testament prophets. And his name was Elijah. Elijah. Um, now, there, was, there were two guys, Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was the senior guy. Elisha was the junior in that story. And uh, th- there are two illustrations I want to make from Elijah and Elisha, their connection, their story. The first one is, there was a time when Elisha, the junior, was actually doing his business. He had 12 pair of oxen. Uh, he was farming the land. And then all of a sudden, Elijah, the older prophet, comes to him. Now, he probably came from the back, so Elisha doesn't see him. He takes off his cloak and he throws the cloak on the young guy. Now, to us, it would be like, oh, thank you very much. I'm not very cold, working hard. But actually, Elisha knew immediately what that meant. See, a cloak in those days was an important piece of property. It could be used for, for um, a, uh, a guarantee or, or some kind of a token of covenant. It could be used as a deposit when something was borrowed. It also served uh, to bring heat in the night and to provide shade in the heat of the day. But it was also inherited from generation to generation. And it was a sign of authority. So when the old prophet comes and he puts his cloak on Elisha, what he does, he stops everything. He kills the bulls, the oxen actually. He makes the best steaks. He throws a party and he follows Elijah. Now this was an act of God calling Elisha to follow Elijah in the ministry. I'm going to keep your attention here for a moment and fast forward a few chapters into uh, 2 Kings uh, chapter 2. Elijah is now older and he knows that he's going to go into heaven. If you know the story, it was a fantastic story. There were chariots of fire that took Elijah into the heavens. If you know the Old Testament, it's a spectacular story. Nothing like that happened. So, long story short, chariots of fire are taking Elijah up into the air. We read it in 2 Kings chapter 2. And then, as he goes up, what Elijah does, it seems like he takes his cloak off, and he throws it down, and it falls to the ground. And the young Elijah, what he does... He takes the cloak of Elijah. And this is the second throwing of the cloak. Now, let me just explain something that happened immediately before this. 
They had the conversation. Elijah and Elisha had the conversation. And, and the conversation goes like, Elijah says, you know that God is going to take me up now. Do you have any special wish? And Elisha says, I love what you have. I want it. And I want a double portion. I want what you carry. And I want even more of what you have on your life. And so Elijah says, soon I'm going to go. If you see me go, you will have it. And then Elijah takes his cloak. He hits the rivers of the Jordan River. This is the Bible. And the waters split. And they walk through the river like on dry ground. And so after, you know, after Elisha catches the cloak, he's like, I'm going to try if this works. He goes to the river. He, he hits the water and it splits and they walk through the river on dry ground. And he says, hey, where is the God of Elijah? Friends, the first throwing of the cloak was the calling. The second throwing of the cloak was the authority. The power from on high. The power of God. The power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going somewhere here. Let's go back to Jesus. Are you ready or are you lost? Going to go back to Jesus. We'll leave the story of Elijah. Two throwing of the cloaks. Now, let's go back to Jesus, right? It's always a good thing to do. Let's go back to Jesus. When Jesus is ready to go, this is what he tells his disciples. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. He says, hey, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been what? Clothed with power from on high. In other words, Jesus is saying, remember Elijah? He went up, he threw a cloak. Now it's my turn. I'm going to go up. But hey, I'm going to throw a, a, a cloak. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive that cloak. Until you're clothed from above with the power from on high. Now, basically, he's saying, I'm going to give you the same anointing as I have. The same thing that, just like Elijah gave it to Elisha, and he could split the waters with that cloak. I'm going to give you this supernatural cloak, the Holy Spirit's power, so that you could do the works that I have done, and you would do them even more. Now, friends, uh, when the cloak fell on the day of Pentecost... Soon after this, it was such an amazing moment. It was probably 120 disciples, maybe the crowd, a crowd similar to this in the upper room. And all of a sudden, there was a breeze that went through the room. And the Holy Spirit entered the space. The atmosphere shifted. And all of a sudden, there was like tongues of fire on every head. There was a flame, literal flame on every head. It was a spectacular sign. And then they started to speak and pray supernatural prayers in a language nobody from them have ever spoken. The presence of God was so heavy in that room. And then it started to go out into the streets of the city. They became missionaries immediately to the city of Jerusalem, which was flooded 
by people from all kinds of nations from the whole Roman Empire. And it became a missional movement because of that cloak of the Holy Spirit that fell on them. And then Peter starts to preach. Now, this guy, just a few weeks before, he was so shy and so fearful that he denied Jesus in front of people. Now he takes the mic. And he he starts to preach the gospel. And 3,000 people respond and give their life to Jesus on that day. That's the Holy Spirit. Soon after that, Many others do that. In chapter 4, we hear Peter is defending the cause of the gospel in front of the authorities. And the Bible says that he spoke filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Paul uh, gets saved. That's another story. He takes the gospel into every important city in the, in the, in the Roman Empire. And uh, when he came to Corinth, this is how it is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. My message... And my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Basically, Paul is saying, hey, I came to you, but I had the cloak. I came with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to close this with some application. There's two things uh, that are a clear application for us. Number one, every believer is called uh, can you like tell your neighbor, hey, he's, 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 talking, he's preaching about you. Every believer is called. Remember the first throwing of the cloak? You got it. You're called. If you didn't know that, let me tell you, you're called. Even if you're hiding somewhere back there, you're called. He called you. He has a mission for you. You're called. You're called to do the works of Jesus and even greater. This is what Jesus told us in John chapter 14, verse 12. He says, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to go to the Father. Remember Elijah? Elijah, He goes like, I I want the same thing, but I want a double portion. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you the same thing, and I'm going to give you a double portion. You're going to do the same things and even more. Come on. I'm going to give you the same cloak. I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit so that you could do the same works, even in a greater measure. Matthew 10, verse 8, he, he tells the disciples, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. He gives his followers, his disciples, the same mission, the same calling that he had been practicing. So, every believer is called. Number two, the second application, every believer is to be anointed. By the power of the Holy Spirit. We are all called. And we all should be anointed. This is the second throwing of the cloak. Yeah. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7. Paul says now to each one. The manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. In other words. God has given all of us. The power of God. Accessible to all of us. 
the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You have the cloak. You've been called and you've been anointed to do the works of Jesus. Even in a greater measure, whatever that means, a double portion. There is a power and anointing of the Holy Spirit for every single believer. I love what Ran Habonka used to say. There is, there is a flame for every head. Every believer, there's a flame for every head. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are for all of us. God has a special mission, a special purpose, and special works for all of us. And there is the anointing, there is the power to complete it, to do it. You have the cloak. You are empowered for the works. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Friends, let me speak plainly. There is no way you will accomplish what God called you to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. If you try, you will burn out. It's a failed mission. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. But the good news is that God has given it to us. And I'm going to finish with one last scripture. I'm going to go to Jesus' first sermon once again. <clears throat> so he comes to Nazareth and he speaks that first sermon and he opens the book of Isaiah. And there is a very simple revelation in that scripture. Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm going to go into the ministry full of the Holy Spirit, anointed by the Holy Spirit to do three things. He says, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. And then he says, number one, to proclaim good news. That's salvation. Yeah? If we're going to bring people to Jesus, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are out ministering on the streets almost every single day. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are praying for your unsaved family and you want to see them come to Jesus, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. If we want to see people come to faith every single day, every week, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are praying for your loved ones. Some of you are praying for your co-workers or classmates come to Jesus. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. The second thing, he says, he has anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted. In other words, to bring healing. This anointing will actually bring healing to people. Physical healing, emotional healing, mental health as well. All of those things. This is the anointing of God, the power of God. He heals. He saves he heals. And then number three, to proclaim freedom for the captives. So number three is deliverance, salvation, healing, freedom, deliverance for the captives, reliefs, uh, release uh, from the darkness for the prisoners. I love this. 
maybe we can all stand as we, as we close. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. Hallelujah. So we'll do a couple of things as we close. The first one is we'll, we'll simply do a little bit of a prayer meeting. So for, for the next one or two minutes, I want to invite all of us to simply pray. All right, prayer is the key to receive anything. Prayer with faith, with expectation, with hunger. So for a moment, if, just forget about your neighbor. Um, forget about them for just a moment and just talk to Jesus and say, Lord, empower me today. Anoint me today. Just, I need you more than ever before. Just cry out to God, whether it's, you know, out loud or with a soft voice, whatever. Just let's turn this into a prayer meeting for just a moment and let's talk to Jesus. Ask Him. Ask Him for His power today. Okay, so let's just, let's just come on. Let's all of us raise our voice and let's turn into, and let's turn this into a prayer meeting right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you.